Swing and a drive. Right field and deep. Back goes Aquino. It's got a chance. Gone. Get out the tape measure. Long gone. Fly the W. Cubs fans, it's time to fly the W with Dustin Rhodes and Paul Crawley Jean. You are listening to the Fly the W670 podcast. This is season two, episode 22. Worried about Dansby? Don't forget to listen, download, review, and most importantly, subscribe to the podcast. Follow us on the socials, Fly the W670 on Twitter and Instagram, and Fly the W on Facebook. Email us, fly the w670 at gmail.com. Crawley, happy uh, happy spring break. You and I are uh, out of the home office today. Yeah, it's uh, it's hard to believe we we finally made it. This is the last weekend of spring training baseball, and and by the middle of next week, we're talking about opening day. Opening day, what number twenty? What for you? Three. Twenty-three. Here we go. Twenty-three. In, in twenty-three the year tw- and twenty-three. How about that? Huh? Yeah. There you go. It'll be the easy to keep track rhino. of. <laughs> year of the rhino. That was one of our past. Uh, that was one of our past uh, episodes. So the Cubs have played four times since we last got together, Carly. Yeah, you, you, we had the final split squad game on Friday. Um, the split squads weren't that great for the Cubs. You know, they finished one, four, and one when they had to play two games in a day. They had a four-game winning streak entering the day, and they were able to get that streak up to five games by beating the Rangers 5-3. to three. Marcus Stroman took the mound for his final start of the spring before being given the ball for opening day. How about Stro? Between, you know, what just, a game. What a know, performance. You're looking at what he did uh, in spring, and you look what he did in the World Baseball Classic, and he looks ready, man. 5.2 innings pitch. He's given up, he gave up five hits, one run, one walk, and five Ks. So this is uh, a little bit about what Stroh had to say about his uh, final start. Feel good. Feel good. I feel like I got pretty good working. Through my slider, my slider felt probably the best it's felt all spring, which was kind of an adjustment. Talked to Wes Nesky, he got me locked in. I've done one thing just to have it, make sure I picked his brain there. So, yeah, he, he definitely helped lock me in on my slider. He definitely feels better going in. My sinker feel great. Getting back, obviously, and throwing Jan, who, who I think will probably be catching the opening day. Just we had a great feel, so just feel really confident going into opening day this year. You talked about it the other day, but just how excited are you for taking that ball in the opener at Wrigley? And- yeah, I'm excited. Obviously, the, the energy of Wrigley's different. Opening day is always a little bit more, so I love those atmospheres. I love that that energy, so I'm excited. I'm excited to go out there and perform in front of that home crowd, which I truly believe is the best in the league. So. Um, can't wait to get around those fans and, and compete for them. Now, the interesting thing about that clip, if you heard it, he was getting slider advice from Hayden Wesniski. Yeah. And it I thought that's what I heard him say. <laughs> right. And and then I, I love that about Stro is that, you know, look, there, there's a lot of things about Stro. He's, he's a controversial character. He said, you know, if you follow him on Twitter, you know, sometimes he doesn't hold back much and, and he's very open. But he said, I think it should always be like that. It should always be very collaborative. I'm never too prideful to learn. And obviously when a guy's having success or doing things at a high level, you can always take little tidbits away from him, uh, how he goes about things. So yeah, I think we're always sharing information. So I thought that was pretty cool that he was getting slider advice because nobody's throwing a better slider than Hayden Wesniski this spring. No, absolutely nobody. Absolutely got more Hayden news as we uh, go through this thing. Right. And, and I don't know if you remember, but you remember you Darvish. He was always very curious and asking questions. I remember uh, he had that, uh, what was that pitch that Craig Kimbrell, uh, the knuckle curve that Craig Kimbrell used to throw. And you Darvish would ask him, what's your grip? How does it look? And a couple times you threw it in a game. So I, I love that, that kind of camaraderie and talking about pitch grips and seeing if you can try something new or improve what you got. Now, besides Stro, Javier Saad came in fresh off his incredible stint with the WBC and Team Mexico. He pitched three innings. He gave up two runs on five hits, four Ks, and one walk. He ran into some bad luck. There was a dribbler that was too slow to turn a double play, a bunt single. He was pulled from the inning. Cam Sanders came in and gave up a single that scored a run before Sanders got the final out. You know spring training has those weird rules, so Assad was able to come back out in the ninth and finish, <laughs> finish the game the next inning. Um, but I'm I don't get, I don't get that one. I, I don't I don't understand that. Uh, I think it's 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 like okay, you want to get the work in, but if the pinch count gets too high or you're throwing a lot of high stress pitches, 
take them out, let somebody come in, and then come back in fresh. So I think yeah. that was the key there. But uh, right. offensively, Hosmer was two for four with an RBI. Gomes was one for two with an RBI. But the story of this game was Luis Vasquez, a minor leaguer for the Cubs who played for Tennessee and Iowa last season. He's not known for his bat. He's more of a glove guy. But he went two for three with three RBIs, a double, and a massive two-run bat, uh, blast that cleared the berm. I watched that. And, I mean, I just think about where I sit in spring training, and, and he just cleared all of that right onto the concourse. So that was pretty incredible, I thought. You know, just that's the thing about these weird late spring training games. All the top stud prospects, they're all kind of back in minor league camp, but you'll have some of these guys that will come in and have a game like uh, Vasquez did. So that was fun. Yeah, cool to see. No doubt about that. Now the winning streak ended in the second game of the split squad against the Guardians. Uh, we talked about the positive outing last time out. Adrian Sampson keeping the ball in the yard, but uh, it didn't happen this game. He goes five innings, gave up seven hits, one walks, four Ks, three runs, all on solo home runs. So that's 17.2 innings for Sampson, giving up an astonishing 11 home runs. So that's, that kind uh, of – It's too many. It's too many. Yep, didn't happen. Uh, Manrod took over in the sixth. He couldn't get out of the inning. He faced seven batters, gave up four singles. He hit Gabriel Arias, gave up a ground out, and he struck out one batter. So, like we talked about, we hoped Sampson had figured something out in his previous start, but he didn't. On offense, the Cubs had seven hits but 14 strikeouts. But Edwin Rios continues to rake with an RBI double, and they scored on uh, Luis Torrens' RBI double. Tucker Barnhart had an RBI sack fly, but that was it for the scoring. But that's that's the strikeout things we've talked about this a few times, Dustin. There have been a few games where you're talking about 11, 12, 14 strikeouts. It just makes you a little bit nervous. A little bit. You know, we have to. I, I, I gotta stay. I gotta stay positive, Crawley. As you said when we started this interview, a podcast interview, podcast today, we're right around the corner. The opening day is here, and we're gonna talk about Dansby Swanson, talk about some other guys. But right now, I am staying glass half full. I am staying positive. I can't wait for them to get out on the field and make a statement against those Brewers the uh, first weekend here at Wrigley Field. Absolutely. And on Saturday, the Cubs traveled to Tempe Diablo to take on the Angels. Ruenis Elias, fresh off his stint with Cuba in the WBC, took the mound. He went 3.2 innings. He gave up six hit, two runs, two walks, and five Ks. There's no doubt that Elias is one of those guys that's just going to be, um, in case of emergency break glass, he's going to be starting the season with Iowa. Offensively, who would have thought that Jan Gomes would have more home runs than Wilson Contreras this spring? Uh, Wilson doesn't even have one yet, and I think Jan has like four or five. He continues to slug the ball. He hit a two-run home run. Patrick Wisdom hit a monster solo home run. And Christopher Morrell hit two doubles, uh, driving in one run. And Dustin, I think on the last podcast, you talked a little bit about um, how difficult of a decision they're going to have to make with, with, with Morrell and what he's doing. And, and so, to me, I take a look at you, Darvish. I mean, not you, Darvish. I take a look at what Morrell's been doing and just saying to myself, man, this guy, you know, you thought you could count him out, but he is just pushing and he's making David Ross make a difficult decision or Jed Hoyer. Right. It's going um, to be right at the end. I think that's going to be a toughie. Yep. Right. This is what Ross had to say on Morrell. This comes from Jordan Bastion at MLB Bastion. He brings that intangible of like a real power threat, balancing swing and miss versus contact and how that bench roll suits him. is something that we're all trying to work through and what kind of roster implications of everything is. So, He's not making it easy, and that's what you love to see is that it would be easy for Morrell to just figure, oh, I'm going to Iowa or whatever. But, no, that guy's out there playing. He's playing his heart out, and, and he's he's doing phenomenal. Unfortunately, the Cubs' bullpen uh, gave up the lead in that game versus the Angels. But it's one of those things that, you know, you look at the guys that were giving up runs, and it wasn't anything that you're like, okay, these are guys that I'm really concerned about in the long run that are going to be immediately up with the Cubs. So, they gave up runs in, you know, you had Bailey Horn giving up a run. You had Luke, uh, Brandon Little giving up a run, Denise Correa. And then uh, you had uh, Euchert giving up a few runs. So it wasn't like anything like I, I was panic about, you know what I mean? Like guys you're expecting to start the re- the season, you know. If, yeah. Kane, if Kane Euchert gives up three runs, you're not worried about it. No, you can you can live with that because he's not going to be, he's not going to be at Wrigley Field on opening day. And on Sunday, today, when we're recording, Justin, I've talked to all the podcast listeners. Club 400 still has some tickets left for the baseball's back party starting starting Justin Steele. Um, you know, read the tea leaves all you want. To me, it looks like Justin Steele is going to be the number two starter for the Cubs. 
you know, taking the ball after Stroman. Uh, he, he, had, he went today six innings. He gave up four hits, zero runs, one walk, and six Ks. Very so nice. Just, Very nice. Impressive spring, impressive spring for Steele. I thought he just had a really – I liked how he looked this spring and, and, and excited to see how he thrives in the role that he has. I'm expecting big things. Um, Patrick Wisdom hit his third home run of the spring today. Dansby Swanson with his first, a two-run blast. And Cody Bellinger has hit his third home run. Uh, Dansby's also made some highlight reel defensive plays today. So uh, they're playing this game, and right now it's 5 nothing Cubs at the end of eighth as we speak, as we're talking right now. So hopefully the bullpen can hold on. But, again, either way, you're not really too worried about it. Perfect time for Swanson to get hit into the groove, right? Perfect time for him to, to – to start seeing it a little bit, perfect time for him to get his confidence going. He is right on schedule. And and we talked about Keegan Thompson and, you know, concerned about his velocity, but, you know, he pitched another inning today, gave up one hit, but his ERA is still zero. So, you know, let's see how it goes. Mark Leiter Jr., who we've talked about again with a strikeout, another scoreless inning, his ERA is 129 on the spring. So those are guys I'm very curious next time we talk on the podcast what kind of roster moves are made. Yeah, we'll have to see. Um, by that time, we will have the official the official roster. And again, to me, the, the biggest one is going to be what 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 are they going to do with uh, our guy Christopher Morell? That's going to be the biggest. To me, that's going to be the biggest question. Uh, a couple of different things that we we heard about today. Um, some roster moves. The Cubs reduced the spring training roster to thirty nine players on Saturday. So we talked about Adrian Sampson that he needed to keep the ball in the yard. He didn't. He was optioned to AAA, which was kind of what we figured. And then right-hander Vinny Natolo, who they picked up in this offseason, he was assigned to minor league camp. But, you know, having to make cuts, we're down to 39 players. You know, there's a lot of names that we're wondering about that we're going to see who's going to be on that roster come uh, Tuesday when they leave Mesa. Uh, David Ross officially announced that Hayden Wisniewski will be the fifth starter. We knew that, right, Dustin? Worst-kept secret out of spring training, Crowley. (laughs) Worst-kept secret out of spring training. Easily the best best pitcher of the spring. He started five games. He pitched 17 runs, gave up 13 hits, six runs, four of them earned. But of those four earned runs, three of them came off the bat of J.D. Martinez. So six walks to 22 strikeouts with an ERA of 212. So they asked him about it afterwards. And, you know, I, I, we saw this last year with Ethan Roberts, and we've seen it with a couple other guys. He was very emotional. His parents were in town to watch him pitch. And finding out and being able to tell his parents, he was, you know, just kind of lost for words. And so congratulations to Hayden. He 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 busted his butt. He did everything he needed to do. And when you take a look, I, I, I know there were people that were critical of that trade for Scott Efros for Hayden Wesniski. Uh, I don't hear those people talking really loud right now. <laughs> They've been muted, Crowley. They've been muted. As far as the injury report is concerned right now, um, a little bit of concern, Dustin, about Nico Horner. He was scratched from Saturday's start against the Angel with a left bicep tightness. Cub just said they were being cautious. I looked today; he's one for four. You know, one one. Uh, so he, so that's good. But you know, you just Nico's going to have to be. You, you know, Dansby's going one one. What do you think? One fifty five. One fifty eight. One fifty eight. Okay. So, you know, that's the thing about Nico is he has had injury history in the past, hoping that he can stay healthy. Um, it's smart of the Cubs to be cautious. Glad he was able to be there today. Seiya Suzuki also on Saturday was on field one taking BP. Uh, just, just so people are aware, like field one is the most prominent field. Like if you are just going down to spring training just to kind of, you know, check things out, you can see field one. You have no access to the players, but you can watch everything that's going on. So, a lot of times, if you're trying to kind of like hide a player or something, you put them in field two. You also have the backfields that you can kind of, you know, field two is probably the best if you want to kind of tuck someone away or something. That's the one that's probably least accessible to the fans. But he was on field one taking BP, and there was video of him hitting a home run. So, you know, keeping our fingers crossed that Saya continues to progress, um, continues to do a good job and, and, and get back sooner rather than later. Um, one more story that, that came out, Dustin, is, is the Chicago Cubs, they did a valuation of, the, what, what the spring tra- of what each major league ta- team is worth. 
Do you have any idea of what the Cubs are worth right now? As I far do. As I, I do. I, I do. $4.1 billion. $4.1 billion. So that's an 8% change from 2022 when they were valued at 3.8. And so I thought it was interesting. And this is how it kind of breaks down the, the as far for the Cubs. The market, the city and market size, $1.897 billion, So 46% of the valuation. The stadium's worth $1.144 billion, 27.9. The sport, the revenue sharing that they get with all of the 30 other, 29 other teams, $544 million. And the brand is about $515 million. Okay? So, I mean, I'm just kind of curious. You know, I don't know if that includes all the real estate that the Ricketts own because they own a oh, lot it's of- gotta, It's got to include a lot of what's around Wrigley Field, I would think. I mean, not all of it, but some of it, I, I would think. Because I think it all kind of goes together. Well, see, it says stadium, it says market, it says brand, but I don't see anything about about like I said when you talk about the uh, the, the hotel, the hotel yeah. Zachary, and they yeah. own all that land where you have Big Star and Smoke Daddies and uh, uh, what is the other one, the Whiskey Bar, Mordecai's. Um, so I don't know if it includes all that. And there's other land that they own too, but. You think about this. The Ricketts family bought the Cubs in 2009, Dustin, for $400 million. It's now worth $4 billion. That's a pretty damn good return on investment. Yeah, I think uh, I think they invested uh, Papa Ricketts' uh, money pretty, pretty well. There is no doubt about that. You are listening to the Fly the W670 podcast. This is Season 2, Episode 22, Worried About Dansby? Question we're going to keep on asking. In this segment, Crowley's talking to Cubs organist John Benedict as he prepares for his fourth season behind the Lowry organ. Joining me now, live on location at Club 400, I'm here with the Cubs' talented organist, John Benedict, finishing up with all the hey, hey, holy mackerel. This doesn't get you into the mood for baseball, I don't know what we John, how you doing today, buddy? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me. I'm I'm happy to be what, here. What what a location for this? Uh, hey, there it was. There's a reason we chose this location. <laughs> uh, John, you know you have been the Cubs organist since 2020, so mm-hmm. we're going what on season number three now. This is number four, number officially four, number four. Officially yep. number four. Yep. All right. Tell our listeners how did you get into music? I mean, obviously anyone listening to this can tell how talented you are. In the music in general. In music in general. What okay. got you playing the piano and got you into music, man? Well, uh, when I was a kid, it was about, I think it was the end of first grade. My, my mom, particularly, she, she, she saw something and wanted to put me in piano lessons. I, I did not want to get into piano lessons. Uh, so she threw me into it. I hated it for the first six months. Um, I wasn't very disciplined. I didn't like practicing. Uh, my teacher, luckily, her name is Sally Mangtolo, um, uh, was very patient, very regimented, knew that I needed structure, but I was this just hyperactive whatever. And uh, one day I heard um, I heard Cannon and Dee played by another one of our students, and like I fell in love. I'm like, I want to learn that. And she's like, no, you can't. You're not disciplined enough. And I'm like, excuse me? How dare you? You can't tell me what I can't play. Me being six. And she's like, well, if you practice 15 minutes a day, which to a six-year-old sounds like an eternity, but 15 minutes a day, you can, you can get there. And sure enough, as I you know, dove deeper into the music she gave me, it, I, it turned something on where I was just chasing after piano. I, was, I don't know what it was, but I, I loved it, and I wanted to, to continue chasing after more. 
Now, John, I, I've seen you where, I, where people have, we've been here at Club 400, we've been in many parties, and they and all of a sudden somebody just shouts out a song, and in about <laughs> three seconds, I swear to God, people, you, you have it. You have the song down. When did you realize that you had that gift to be able to play and learn by ear? Because that there's a lot of people that practice and, and, and can play, but not like what you do. Well, it, that, that's out of the being able to play by ear. Um, believe it or not, it's far more common than you'd think to be able to, to pick up on music and feel it and tell you know, the relationship between notes. That sort of came with uh, each lesson and each year passing uh, in, in piano lesson. I, I, I learned that I could play by ear. Um, and that's where I primarily found my love for music. It wasn't in the Mozarts and the, the Beethoven's and the Bach's. It was, it was in listening to a song that may not be a piano song to begin with and trying to translate it down to the keys. Um, and then eventually just being able to do that quicker and quicker and quicker. And I think it works perfectly fine for this job. So, and, and, and you've always been a Cubs fan. I've, I've seen pictures of you and yeah. your sister and stuff and your family mm. all in Cubs gear. Oh yeah. Who, who was your guy growing up when you were watching the Cubs? Oh man. Sosa is what got me into it. Definitely Sosa. Uh, he's a couple of his cards are up here. Um, when I started to pay attention, I think 07, 08 was when I really started paying attention. I loved little baby Ruth, Mike Fontenot. <laughs> oh, man. When he was a leadoff man, he and uh, the riot yeah. were just, they were electric. I loved Jimmy Edmonds, loved Gio Soto. Everyone loved Aramis Ramirez. But, man, for some reason, Mike Fontenot, watching him play, I kind of resonated with him. So. The Cajun connection. Yeah. The LSU boys. Yeah, that's right. Well, here's, here's the funny thing, John, is I remember we went on a Club 400 bleacher trip in about mm. 2019, mm. and, and you and I were kind of hanging out. They were right on the wall. We were right on yeah. the wall, and we were right basically where the 400 is underneath. Exactly. Yeah, pretty much. And, and I remember you and I kind of just talking about the organ and stuff <laughs> like that. That was the weekend Gary uh, announced his retirement. The weekend Gary yep. Presley, the anchor man, 30 years mm -hmm. behind the Lowry organ, and, and all of a sudden he announces that. And, and, and did you know right away, like, okay, what am I going to do? How am I going to get into the tryouts or anything like that? <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> I remember me, me and Danny Rocket, uh, we're just kind of joking back and forth because we're both on that same wavelength of, of, of musicianship, being able to play improvisationally and by ear and he's got some licks on the keys he can play and we're joking like oh man what if we both did and that's about the end of that conversation we literally joked for a few minutes not very long about it because it's it seemed so far-fetched it seemed like it was just kind of like oh well of course some, there's a ton of people probably pining for this job probably tons of people and um it wasn't until and you you could probably tell some of this story too we can, i don't want to pigeonhole the rest of this interview, but in August, that was August of 2019. If we want to get people on the same page at the timeline, August of 19, when Gary announced his retirement, and all the way through the winter, yeah, it, it was, it's it's nothing. You hear no announcement. It's nothing. kind of radio silent, yeah. and so it's the last CubCon 2020. Not is the last CubCon before the pandemic 2020. Yeah. Yep. And I'm sitting here, and I'm like, okay, they got to have the new keyboardist. I can't wait to meet him because every yeah. year I'd get a picture with Gary. I saw you had a picture yeah. with Gary, which was absolutely that was amazing. 2019. That was this last year. Right? 2019 is last year, yeah. and so I'm looking around, and there is no keyboardist. All they have is like <laughs> a, an iPod shuffle hooked up playing organ music. Huh. And so I talked to Crane <laughs> Kenny at a Cubs convention, and I'm just like, you know, Crane, do you have an organist yet? And he tells me, no, not yet, Crawley. It's a process. I'm like. I got a guy. And you brought up Danny Rocket. And the mm. thing that I remember is Danny would come here and play his songs. And if you don't know Danny Rocket or the Bleacher Bum Band, you can find yeah. them on iTunes. Great music. Download their stuff. But I remember one time we were watching and Danny was playing and he was shouting out chords to you. Yep. And you were all and – and it looked like you guys had been playing for 20 years together and you guys were just playing for the first time that night. Mm -hmm. And I said, oh, That was the Montero God. night, I think. Yeah, I mean, the Miggy yeah. Montero Christmas yeah. party. I remember and that. so, you know, you know, Crane says, well, give John my information and, and, and see what happens. And all of a sudden, it kind of gets the ball rolling. And now they want you to do a uh, – you have to do a demo, right? Yeah, so we come here, and this is why this is so significant. That weekend when – you sent that email out to Crane and Lauren and all the people that were involved in this process. Uh, they asked, hey, is there any way you could record something on an organ? And then I'm thinking like, oh, we got to record it on this organ. 
this is the organ from Wrigley in 93 to 04. I mean, like, this is, there's no better place to do it unless you were actually at Wrigley. So we come here, you, me, William. Yeah, Sir William. Sir William. 400 podcast. Yeah. Uh, set up some lights. I have a production background, so I had to make it as pretty as possible. Put up some lights. I'm wearing a microphone, and I'm thinking, like, what do we got to do? And we're sitting down here brainstorming because I don't think I had gotten a prompt yet from the audition team to tell me what to do. And that's another story. We did this tape. We sent it in, made it look nice. They get back to me with prompts. What would you do in this scenario? This, this, and this. And we come back here, record it again. And uh, all this is just, it very quickly went from, I got nothing to lose to, holy crap, this actually might happen. It was just a bizarre few weeks. Right. And, and I remember they wanted like a traditional baseball song, like Holy yeah. Mackerel, and then they wanted a current song. And we're Yeah, we did. Uh, 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 yeah. yeah 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 and, and, and it goes out there and then kind of i don't hear anything i know now all of a sudden things are starting to go in the background yeah and they make the announcement not one but two or yes you and josh langhoff that that's right and so it was so exciting for all of us from club 400 just to see john that you you know, you're, you're going to be part of history. And we're just sitting here <laughs> absolutely amazed and freaking out and making plans. We got to be ready for opening day to watch John play. And, <laughs> and sure enough, <laughs> the baseball season the, gets canceled. The worst possible thing that could possibly happen to anyone, really. The world shuts down. <laughs> the world shuts down. And, as, you know, and, and we know that there's not going to be an opening day played in April. And we're trying to figure out what's going on. But there is a very special moment that kind of comes out of this. And yep. what I remember is that it's the pandemic and it's at the when all of a sudden everybody's freaking out. Yep. Man, and it's like ghost towns everywhere, yep. like tumbleweeds in the streets. And all of a sudden one day the Cubs make a decision and say, we want someone to play the organ. No yep. game, just play the organ. Yeah. And so you got tapped for that one. Yep. And so I forget the day specifically. It was, it was three days. It was two days before my birthday. So it was May. No, it was on my birthday. They called me. May 13th is when they called me. I think May 15th was the day. It was a Friday. Um, they said, hey, John, we're going we're gonna to release a presser on you guys officially um, and flip the speakers on and let you play for an hour. Because the, there, there was nothing going on. The, nothing was breathing. And I think Ricketts himself, if I'm not mistaken, I don't want to speak too, too out, of, uh, out of place, but I think Ricketts pitched this saying, hey, we got to give the neighborhood something to – get a semblance of normalcy you know like coming home from work and they hear the organ playing it's something they're used to already be living in Wrigleyville they hear the organ all the time and um, I thought it was no better way to fire up the season now, I, I was in Wisconsin bunkering down and mm -hmm. then our, our friend our mutual friend we talked about Danny Rockwood yep. out there recorded and we went live that day yep. and 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 honestly I cried, John. Like I had like tears <laughs> in my eyes. You're already an emotional guy. I'm an emotional guy, yeah. but just sitting there and and like it was music was shut down that whole time yeah. period. There was nothing going nothing. on, no baseball. Everything that I just wait for and it's all gone. Mm -hmm. And I never, I'll never forget you playing. And if you can maybe play it a minute, what a wonderful world if you could play a couple yeah. clicks. I said it's still I'm almost crying here. I'm an emotional <laughs> guy. But 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 as we sat there, all of a sudden things do start to get back to normal. Yeah. Do you remember the first mm -hmm. time playing at Wrigley Field mm -hmm. with fans? It was partial in the stadium, but with fans. 2021. That was it. I mean, it, opening day. I think we played the Brewers. We always play the Brewers opening day. It seems, seems like it. Lot, yeah. Um it was cold. Me and Josh are both just totally like layered up. And we had, uh, was it 25%? <laughs> I think it was a 25%. 25 but yeah. that, trust me, that's, a, that's about 10,000 people. That is more than enough. More than enough. Going the entire 2020 season with, at the most, people in the bleachers. Because yeah. halfway through the season, they opened up the, the uh, rooftops. I mean, and now 
with people right next to you. You can hear them just beneath in the club level and, and the, and yeah, I could see them. I'm waving at them. I'm just like, there's, there's people here. I was, I was beside myself. I couldn't believe it. And, and, and now, you know, now you're, you're playing to 40,000 strong and, and, and you know what, John, I'm really excited once this, especially this year, because yeah. the team looks so much looks, better. It's looking good, man. You know, you, just the energy and the vibe. And I yeah. think you and the crowd play off each other. Yeah. Now there are two organists, you and Josh, as right. we mentioned. Yes. And so you guys do have your own unique styles. Mm-hmm. What would you say is, is the difference between you and Josh when you guys are playing? The patches, definitely. You can hear that there's a totally different tone. Uh, and I can't find the equivalent setting on this one, uh, but the, 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 the Lowry at Wrigley has this sort of B3 jazz setting that Josh loves to use. He's a very he's, – he's, he's a jazz rock organist. That's, that's, he plays at a church, but uh, he also does stuff with B3s on the side, and he loves that sound. So anytime you're at Wrigley and it sounds more like a, like a Boston-style – organ like from the band uh, that's josh i i try to keep it as close to gary as possible uh he left his settings uh at wrigley pretty much as it was and then i add one extra high-end flute so his like if i go to his this is his old setting it's very mellow and then i just add another flute you can hear a little more on the high end cuts through better and i've i've had something similar ever since for the stretch i usually add a couple strings so um maybe one less string we lower and it's a little more regal it's a little bit more of like a circus let's let's talk about the seventh inning stretch because john i I, i'm not a guy who gets too jealous but occasionally (laughs) occasionally i'll see you playing along with somebody like like bob odenkirk or something like that and they come in who who are the celebrities so far that you have just kind of almost had to be like pinch yourself moments (laughs) that this guy is, is is singing along to me and then he pops into that little booth funny you mentioned bob odenkirk so uh, I we usually learn who we're playing for uh, the day of because it could change. Usually they know who's coming ahead of time, but they usually just keep it on on the DL until it's like, oh, okay, he's officially here. He's got tickets. He's he's showing up. Um, so Bob comes up. I expected that Bob was gonna be here. I'm a big fan of Bob. I love Breaking Bad. I love Better Call Saul. So like he's 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 it for me. I'm like this this is great. But I, I, you have to compose yourself. You can't, you can't be this guy. Can't fanboy. You can't fanboy. You can say it's a pleasure and you know say you, I like your stuff, but you can't be like you because you're you're collaborating. You have to get this done with. Sometimes people come in and they don't know the stretch. You have to lead them in. You have to show them how it's done so they at least have something to work with when they get into the booth. Um, but Bob comes up, shakes my hand, and around the corner walks this this woman. It was dressed pretty like normal, like not. She doesn't look like a celebrity. If they look like anything, she didn't look like a celebrity. And I'm looking twice, and, and like before it was at the tip of my tongue, Bob's like, "You know my friend Susan Tedeschi," <laughs> and I'm a huge Tedeschi Trucks fan. Like, like, like Derek Trucks and Susan—they're two of my favorite blues artists. And Susan's voice, it, uh, besides Melissa Etheridge, is my favorite female singer. Like, it, it's a. I, I was floored. I, I stopped in my tracks. I kind of did this. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, I can't believe it. She wasn't even supposed to be there. She wasn't on the dock, and but she was hanging out with Bob, and she came up and sang with him. Amazing. Yeah. The she one- was so sweet. Too. She was just the nicest person. I the know. one that still makes me laugh, though, is Big Show. Ah, so, Paul White. Yeah. Seeing a picture of you in the Big Show. I mean, what a, what a contrast, man. I mean, that guy is in, immense. He's, He's just seven humongous. feet tall, just shy of 400 pounds. And I'm five six on a good day, and if you if you can't in the camera, there's a bench right here. I it, it's a very similar to the one that's at Wrigley, and he sat down in the booth to rehearse with me, and I'm standing up. I'm eye level. He might have been even a little taller, sitting down. <laughs> I'd be the, scared for the, the bench. Single guy. biggest human I've ever seen in my entire life. Yeah, very nice guy, but wow. So yeah. so talk to me. Once the game starts, right, you kind of have a general idea of what you're going to play. But mm-hmm. once the game starts, you have to be able to adapt to different situations. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to give you some situations. I'm going to throw them out. You play a couple <laughs> bars here. Ready? Okay. Yeah. Cub makes an awesome play defensively. 
Uh, infield? Infield. Okay. Um, um, nice. Baseball tonight, yeah. Yeah. What about in the outfield? Uh, if it's a diving catch. Um... If I have enough time. Now, yeah. the one that I always kind of like it, for me is Alive by Pearl Jam. Yeah. Obviously, Eddie being a big Cub fan, me being a big Pearl Jam and Cub fan. Do you, do you know the connection? As far alive. as? Yeah, to the baseball. Why, why do I play Alive? When, when all of a sudden, like a, like a batter is sitting there and, and the count's still alive yep. as far as foul balls, exactly. keeping it there. Let me, let me hear a Nailed few it. bars of Alive. That, that's absolutely <laughs> now, now now Joe Ross comes or Dave Matt no, David Ross. David Ross is coming <laughs> out to take the picture out. What are we playing on that? Okay. Now you are active on social media mm -hmm. and you play a lot of things and you ask for suggestions and yep. something like that. How fun is it as far as you're, you know, interacting with the fans and coming up with some ideas for when the opposing teams in town. That's, that's probably my favorite part is um, cause social media both helps me interact with people that aren't at the ballpark and with people in the ballpark. Cause I get messages on Twitter and Instagram and all that from people who are there like, Hey John, if you see this, play this. <laughs> and I think that that was always like my dream. Like if I ever got the chance to do this, which thank God I did. Um, how cool would it be to just someone who's like, I don't know if the organist is going to see this. It's kind of out there. He probably gets a ton, which I don't get as many as you think. So if you're at the ballpark, send me something. Um, out of the 40,000, you're contributing to the soundtrack that's being played at Wrigley Field. And if it's your first time or you just are passing through, you never, you don't, you're not like a season ticket holder. You're there once and you hear your song played. I think that would be the greatest feeling. So giving that to someone who's there or if someone's in the UK because they're going to the UK this year. I got a lot of people saying like, oh man, play this and whatever. They, 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 they like the, the, um, the Beatles or the 1975 or someone from Liverpool, like uh, hearing their music, it's someone who's not particularly into baseball, but think that this aspect is something interesting. It helps me reach that too. Well, John, it's funny because we've come full circle because again, I sit there and I walk into CubsCon 2023, the first one since 2020. Yeah. And the first person that I get to see sitting down at the Lowry Oregon is John Benedict. <laughs> How did that feel for you? Because you had been at Cubs cons in the uh, past. Yeah. But now you're the guy that people are coming up and wanting to take pictures with. That was that was a blast because they put you right up front. Me and Josh are at an organ like this right in the lobby. It's almost like we're the info desk. It's that central. And you got people. The foot traffic is immense. That's where you come into the hotel. That's where you go to pass to get to the escalators and the elevators to get to your room. So it's, it's foot traffic after foot traffic. And people will sit in the, the seats behind us shouting stuff out, like you were saying. They just say, hey, can you play this? Uh, hey, can, can, uh, how do you do this one? Or what would you like? They're in such a good mood because you can tell everyone was just so happy to be there again. And on top of that, they are just hanging out with one another. They're all there for the same purpose. And uh, it, I can't say enough about it. It, it was fantastic. And, and one thing that was really cool for me is that it seems like, you know, there's just a new crop of you guys coming up, whether it's you, Josh, Jeremiah yeah. Paprocki, the yeah. play announcer, Miguel Esparza finally starting to get some credit as, <laughs> as uh, you know, the Spanish broadcaster. Yeah. So it's almost like you guys have kind of formed like this, this you know, just a, a kinship among yeah. each other. And it's got to be a lot of fun that you guys are going through all of this together. Yeah. Um, uh, Jeremiah came a year after I started. Um, I worked a year with Andy Bellison, who was there for 10 years. He was there during the World Series and all that. And his voice, to me, because I started going to games a lot at, in my high school days, which was 08 to 12, and then after high school. So he was there pretty much the whole time. And his voice was synonymous right. with Wrigley. Just as much as the organ was, hearing Bellison's voice was, that was it. And I heard he retired, and I was like, oh, bummer, man, like, who are they going to be able to replace with that? And they brought in Paul, who was the guy who was there before Bellison, because they hadn't found a guy starting 2021. 
uh, and a couple others came in. And then they said, we got a guy. It's a 21-year-old from – I'm like, whoa, I thought I was young coming into this. They got a 21-year-old. And, like, and then I hear it. Yeah, when you hear I that hear, voice. I'm like, are you kidding me? It's so automatic. It's, it sounds like he's been doing this for 40 years. And already and, he's got stuff in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, he's in the Hall of Fame. Unreal, man. Yeah. I got to ask you one last question, yeah. John, is that when you sit there – and it's a beautiful sunny day, 40,000. You could see Lake Michigan you can. from where you are. I mean, mm -hmm. how much of this is just kind of feel like a dream sometime for you to be a Cub fan and and, and, and your office is Wrigley Field? How, how much do you think yeah. about that? Uh, at least once a game. I, I, I catch myself just kind of doing a panoramic. Uh, baseball, even on like a crazy game, you have a lot of downtime where you're, you know, every now and again, you got to do the... Do that, and then but then you're sitting there, waiting for the pitch to go or waiting for whatever. You've got a lot of downtime to kind of just soak in the scene, and even on a rainy, cold day or a blistering, sunny August afternoon, it's it's it takes your breath away, and you only understand that if you're a Cubs fan. I mean, you, you could be a baseball fan, and Wrigley means something, but to be a Cubs fan who grew up going there, and now you get to work there is that's a dream. That really is. Well, John, for people that do want to give suggestions or maybe they want to, you know, message you and ask about lessons or anything like that. What, what is, where does your Twitter handle? How can people reach you on the socials? Uh, my Twitter is at uh, John Benedict, which is my name, J O H N B E N E D E C K. Uh, and then Twitter, uh, Instagram is where I post a lot of my shenanigans that and TikTok, but, uh, just dot John B, uh, that, that, I'll tell you the backstory of that. My name is Just John. And everyone's like, oh, is it Jonathan? Or I'm like, no, it's Just John. And that's kind of where I got that from. It's not meant to be snarky, but that's where I got it. And then, <laughs> uh, uh, TikTok is Johnny B on the keys. It's all one word, no caps. I don't know if that matters. That doesn't all matter. Right. Well, make but. sure that you follow John. Get those suggestions in. John, why don't you play <laughs> us a little Sweet Home Chicago to, to play us out here? Uh, oh, I actually had it set up for that. How about... This is the Fly the W670 podcast. Don't forget to listen, download, review, and subscribe to the Fly the W podcast. It's season two. It's episode 22. Worried about Dansby? The Cubs have played close to 30 games, and uh, we're a little bit concerned going into today's game, the Sunday game, if uh, we should be worried about Dansby Swanson or not. Right, Crowley? Yeah, you know, it's one of those things that you're always worried about, um, especially every time the Cubs bring in a free agent. I'm not going to lie. I always get nervous that first year just always seems to be a struggle, whether, you know, John Lester started off a little bit rough, but then he picked it up. You Darvish had a first, you know, first year struggles, Moises Alou, like you just go down, Jason Hayward struggled and never not struggled, but he did make the Dodgers uh, roster. I don't know if you saw that Dustin, but you know, there was four shortstops on the market that the Cubs were kicking the tires on. Obviously Carlos Correa, you had uh, Xander Bogarts, Trey Turner, who we saw just absolutely go nuts in the World Baseball Classic. And the Cubs went with Dansby Swanson, and we were super excited, Dustin, after hearing him in the press conference and the story about his grandpa loving the Cubs before he died and he signed, you know, Dansby signed with them. But, you know, we've had a, a full spring of Dansby Swanson. And when you look at the numbers, that's where you just kind of, you know, it's part of you says, okay, it's just springtime, it doesn't matter. But when the results are this glaring, like, like I take a look right now, right? And, and if we take a look at Nico, right? Nico's slashing 244, 244, 422. You know, you're going to expect Nico to bump a little bit, but it's not horrific, right? I'm, no, I'm, well, well, I mean, not, it's, it's not good. I don't know if I go horrific, but, but not good, that's for sure. Well, let's, let's look at Dansby's numbers right now. He's had 16 games. 
40 at bats. Dustin, he's slashing 100. He's on B, OBP is 265, and he's slugging 200. He's had nine walks, but 16 strikeouts. He hit his first home run today. He has three RBIs, but again, 40 at bats and four hits. So one double and one home run. That, that's got to have Cub fans a little bit nervous, right? Right, and it, absolutely. It, it's definitely a question that we've talked about on the Mully and Haw show. It's something that you hear all day on the score. We've seen plenty of uh, uh, tweets and plenty of column space filled up with whether or not Dansby can live up to this contract. And he keeps saying, no problem, I got this. Uh, we had a texter that texted in. He had had a really terrible last year, his spring training was really bad. Not quite as bad as the texture originally let on, but he had a really bad spring training last year, and obviously he had one of his best, if not his best, season as a Major League Baseball player, and then he was paid like it. But listen, Crawley, going back to the conversation we've been having for months after the regular season ended, after season one ended, and we started talking season two on this podcast, it was the big three and Dansby Swanson. That's how I felt about it. It was the big three shortstops and Dansby Swanson. I didn't think he should be included with the top four guys in the same conversation. Now, with the switch of the shift, I do think he belongs in that conversation because his defense is probably as good, if not better, than everybody else that we're talking about in that list, in my in my opinion. He's right there. If he's not the best, he's right there. So um, in 177 right now, while that's a ton of money, that was good, smart spending by Jed Hoyer and the Cubs. Yeah, but 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 you need him to to perform like he did last season, which was his best offense in the regular season. Let's regular let's season. Let, let, let's give listen. I'll I'll be pounding on him a week from tomorrow when we're doing the podcast after the after the series against the Brewers, and if he's like one for fifteen with four Ks and no walks, uh, trust me, I'll be saying, what did we do here? What what what's going on? So, but I, I'm I, for right this second. We got to give him a shot. If he had a bad last spring and they had a great regular season, let's let's see if he maybe that's how he rolls. Maybe he's working on some things. Yeah, but but as far as spring training is concerned, when you sit there and you filter it out and you say, okay, there's no one in spring training with 30 or more bats with a lower batting average than him. It's it's no doubt. I just like you said, if he carries it into the season, that's what makes you nervous. And so they asked David Ross about uh, Dansby's swing, and he says, I don't want to single out Dansby, but everyone in camp is always working on something. The thing that stands out to me with a lot of these guys is, are they recognizing the pitches? Are they taking passes at really good pitches? Do they shut it down on balls out of the zone? Are they taking their walks? So we talked about, you know, Swanson had eight walks in his first 14 games. So, you know, it's, you know, they're working on things. They're working on things. And, and I really have a lot of hope for the Cubs' new hitting coach. As you know, the Cubs' hitting coach job is kind of like being the drummer for uh, Spinal Tap. <laughs> it just has been a job that Great nobody... analogy, Crowley. Great analogy. <laughs> right. It's a job that nobody can hold on to. And I've gotten to you know, listen to Dustin Kelly. Uh, he's been on Marquee. He's been on some of the broadcasts. He really is an intelligent guy, but so have other guys that have been through there, you know, and so I am excited about it, but, you know, I'm just kind of keeping my fingers crossed because if the Cubs are going to be successful, Dustin, they have to get off to a good start. If Dansby, you know, doesn't get off to a good start, where's the offense going to come from? Who else, right? And so if, if the Cubs don't have a good start, they're going to look to move people at the trade deadline. And so... You don't have the luxury of sitting there hoping that Dansby at the end of the season's numbers look good. It has to, they got to come out of the gate. All these guys that they got, Dansby, Bellinger, um, Mancini. And I think that, like I said, I think Mancini is going to really – I'm making this prediction right now, and you you can write it down. I, I'm, I'm predicting all-star. Nice. Yeah, that, that's I'm predicting Trey Mancini will be an all-star for the Cubs this year. But we need the other guys to contribute as well. We need Ian Happ to continue with it, with what he has done so far this year. Uh, last season with the All-Star nod, um, Swanson's got to really perform. Uh, Nico has got to really kind of step up and show that he belongs. And, and, and those are the things that I'm kind of looking at is offensively, 
I have no doubt that the pitching and defense is really um, going to keep the Cubs in games. But as far as the offense, that's that is my concern. It was my concern when the, when the season started. Uh, it was my it's my concern now, and so that that's kind of what I'm looking at right now. Is that if they can if they don't have the ability and Dansby's a big part of it, you know, then I don't know. Now on the flip side, Dustin, you know, Patrick Wisdom has had a phenomenal spring. Like this guy has absolutely been lights out. And so if he does know, that, if he does what he's done in the spring, Crawley, that'll be another all-star for the Cubs. You're talking, here's where he's at right now. Currently 351, 478 and 649 slugging. He's just been absolutely impressive. He's got his three home runs. You know, he's still striking out. He has 14 strikeouts, but nine walks. But Patrick Wisdom has seriously earned a lot of playing time based on what's happened this spring. So, again, I think we can sit there and, and take a look at, the, at what we have, and we know who's going to be playing most of the days. You know, who's going to be playing right while Say is out? Still up for debate. Who's going to be playing third base? I think we're, we're I think pretty sure that it's going to be that Wisdom-Rios um, tandem, yep. you know. And so it's a few other questions, but these guys have got to perform. And that's that's the only thing is just how hard it is for a new free agent acquisition to get rid, rid, get used to Wrigley in April or May. Hopefully we have a warm spring, Dustin. That's I'm looking at the weather report right now, and opening day looks like a traditional Cubs opening rain day of rain and 40 degrees temperatures. Yeah, it looks like a better day for the Bears to play football than the Cubs to uh... – be playing uh, baseball. Crowley, uh, are we having one more of these before opening day or the next time we talk and we're going to have a game in the books? Where are we at on our schedule? We got two more games against the White Sox. I believe they're exhibition games. I don't think they count against the Cactus League schedule. The Cubs did win today. So the next time we do uh, release a podcast, we should have everything finalized. I mean, like I said, I think the rotation, if you're asking me, is going to be uh, Stroman, Steele, Tyone, Smiley and Wesniski at five. I think that's what you do. Um, as far as as the rotation or as far as the lineup, I think we'll get that out by by the time we get there. And so that's it. I mean, we're ready to go, Dustin. So, all right, know. Crowley. We can almost we can almost smell it. Last night I was down on uh, I was down on the main drag here in uh, Nashville, and they had a they had a dog with some grilled onions, and it smelled just like. Wrigley Field so that was uh, that was awesome all right have a safe trip back to uh, the Chicago area Uh, enjoy opening day number 23 that's a wrap don't forget to uh, listen download review and most importantly keep subscribing to the fly the w podcast follow the socials fly the w on Facebook 670 uh, Facebook Instagram you can email us of course to fly the w 670 at gmail.com and Crowley, you can watch on YouTube by subscribing to the 670 Score YouTube channel. Crowley, enjoy the rest of your spring break and uh, happy opening day. Two more games and go Cubs. It's all over.